shorted the branches while I was working in the yard, and my head bumped up against something in a low-hanging branch. Do you know where I'm going with this? With this? Can you tell where I'm going with this? I could feel it. The snake. Yes, the snake. Fell out of the tree right in front of me. I mean, we made eye contact around this snake. It hissed at me. It hissed at me. And, and I felt the heart attack coming on. You know, like Sanford and Sons, the show? The heart attack was coming on. I called the Jen. Jen, bring the nitroglycerin tablets for under my tongue. I'm having a heart attack. When I realized it was just a stick. And I have my lovely assistant here. She's going to bring me the stick. Great. It was just a stick. It looks just like a snake, doesn't it? I mean, it was tough. It was a tough day. I almost died. I made it, but barely. But barely. Actually, I had this sitting on the front pew earlier, and Simon was jumped a little bit. He thought it was a snake, too. Okay, you can take that. We're lovely assistant. Let's give him a round of applause. Spiritual growth, not even a little bit. 
I'm really disappointed in him. I mean, he has Christian parents. You know, they did the thing where they played the Christian music to him while he was in the, in the womb, and now they go to church every Sunday with him, of course. But when I talked to him on the phone the other day, I asked him just, I thought, a fairly easy question. I said, Eddie, Eddie, are you a pre-millennialist? Are you a post-millennialist? Are you an amillennialist? You know, what's your interpretation of Revelation? And nothing. It just sounded like battling on the other end of the line. There was just nothing. Because Eddie's an infant. He's an infant. And Paul is comparing the Corinthian spiritual growth to my grandson. That's not good. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be us. Or, if we're involved, you're going to feel the heat. Let's talk about Corinth for a second. It was a bustling city in the ancient world, port city in the Roman Empire modern-day Greece, people intersecting from all over the world, pagan, Jew, Gentile, Greek, Roman, so lots of ideas, lots of culture. This was a worldly place. You've been to a city like this. You've been to a place like this. You know exactly what it was like. New believers, though, were here in Corinth. It hadn't even been that long since Jesus had died and resurrected. He had his ministry only just a few years before. So these were new believers, and this modern worldliness, they had grown up in it here in Corinth. And so, understandably, really, in many ways, they bring this with them. It was in their DNA. They bring this with them to church. So this worldliness is in the pews. This worldliness is in their attitude about life as well. It was in their attitude about what was right and what was wrong, what was good and evil. But they were zealous. These were zealous believers, enthusiastic about their new faith. They love Jesus just like you, just like I do, of course. But they struggled with all sorts of stuff, all sorts of topics that Paul deals with in Corinthians. Worship style, preaching, sexuality, food sacrifice to idols, to name a few. And Paul is saying that the focus for the Corinthians was more on the disagreements, who was right, who was wrong, what should we do, what should we not do, more on all of that than Jesus Christ himself. They were distracted. Paul uses the word strife here in this text. This is the Greek word eris. And all of my theological training and all of my exegesis told me it means it was bad. It was bad. They were being verbally antagonistic to each other, actually. And, and you know what it was? Their compasses, if you can imagine their compasses, their internal compasses were pointing in the wrong direction. Their internal compasses were pointing towards self, not Jesus. Distractions, problems, not Jesus. And it stunted their growth. Not much was distinguishing them from the world outside and it showed their eyes were off the ball and it compromised everything. It compromised their relationships. It compromised their community. It stunted their discipleship. And the danger is, unchecked, this lack of spiritual growth causes the church to sort of, in a, in a way, implode upon itself. You've seen it happen before. 
implode upon itself. It compromises our witness in the community because people see, see this happen. They feel it happen. Even core doctrine is unstable or is questioned. By 1 Corinthians 15, you know what was happening? By 1 Corinthians 15, the Corinthians even wonder how important Jesus' resurrection was in the first place. Was it important? Did it really need to happen? Did it really happen? Are we not seeing a similar compromise in the American church today? Over sexuality and gender and race and a whole other host of things. At the heart of a failed church or a waning discipleship is a lack of spiritual growth. Charles Spurgeon said this, You are not mature if you have a high esteem of yourself. He who boasts in himself is but a babe in Christ, if indeed he be in Christ at all. Sound like what Paul was saying there? Young Christians may think much of themselves. Growing Christians think themselves nothing. Mature Christians know that they are less than us. The more holy we are, Beyond moving, the number one reason this 
preaching. That's the number one reason why people pick a church. They want good preaching. The number two reason is feeling welcome. There are other reasons that came out of the study for why people pick a church, including leaving another church is a big reason. You know, maybe a divorce occurs or something like that. And so you leave the other church. Or maybe there's a big blow-up at the church you came from. And I find it interesting that not one reason for picking church in this study, anywhere in the study, was Jesus. Not one reason was Jesus. I just want to worship Jesus. That's why I'm going to church. Why are we here today? Is it the preaching? Is it the worship style? Traditional, contemporary, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock? Is it some other personal preference? If your main reason for being here is anything other than worshiping Jesus Christ, first and foremost, that's not worship. It's idolatry. And it will stunt your growth. You should not be looking for the wisdom and power of man when you come. You should not be looking for the wisdom and power of design or architecture and worship or an awesome children's program while we have one. You should only be looking for the wisdom and power of God. Paul had already told them, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Do you see where Paul wants the focus? Where he is calling us to have the focus? Not on him or anything else, but only on God. Only on our Lord. So instead of saying, I love the worship at my church, Instead of saying, I love the worship at my church, you should say, I love to worship at my church. You see the difference? The difference is idolatry. <laughs> and we got our way to the cross. So how can you keep from feeling the heat on the way to heaven? You know what the mirror says in our cars, right? Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. How do we avoid hell being closer than it appears when it comes to our faith and when it comes to our worship. How can you grow spiritually? So you can be sure. That is the goal. That's what Paul is trying to get across. The importance of growing spiritually to the Corinthians. And the answer is, get back to the basics. Get back to the basics. Do an inventory of your life and of your faith. We're all sinners here, I think. Anybody not a sinner? Raise your hand if you're not. We're all sinners here, so we're going to have to do this from time to time. We're going to have to do this regularly, multiple times throughout our life. What do we have to do? We've got to strip it all down to the core. Ask ourselves, what is it all about for me? Strip it all down to the core. Deconstruct. Rip everything out but the frame. Test yourself. Paul's also talking about this in the context of the leadership of the church. So that means me, that means Jason, that means the session. The leadership of the church. We are responsible. We will be held accountable for setting the tone on this. 
hold us accountable for purity in worship, for purity in our seeking discipleship together. So Paul uses a building metaphor here. Examine the materials that you're using in building your spiritual life, building your walk with the Lord. Your motives, your preferences. And tear it all down to one thing. What's that one thing? Every children's message is the right answer. Jesus is the one thing. Tear it all down to him. The materials for growing spiritually are number one, Jesus. Number two, what do you think number two is? Jesus. What's number three? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Nothing else matters all that much. Jen and I are getting ready for a graduation party. Congratulations to all the graduates in here. Our son Jimmy graduated from high school. Uh, so we're getting ready for a graduation party at our new house. You would not believe the determination that is going into getting ready for that party. It's been going on for months, really. Months and months and months. The grit, the determination, the discipline, the day in and the day out work, the weeding that's going on to this, the painting that's going in to all this, all the garbage that's going out to the curb. We actually have to borrow the neighbor's trash cans because we don't have enough for going out to the curb. All the extra pennies, every single extra penny. Oh, the devotion that's going into this party. And my question for my family is, and for all of us, do we have the same enthusiasm for Jesus that we have for that party? I hope so. Do we have the same enthusiasm for Jesus that we have for the preaching at our church? Or for the music? Or for the service times? Or for the community hour lunch? Coming up on the second Sunday of next month, by the way. Do we have the same enthusiasm? If you want to grow spiritually, if we want to grow spiritually together, our mantra must be, it's all about Jesus. From now on, the simple God, every single day, every single moment, every single choice, every single temptation that you face, it's all about Jesus here. Every thought, even in your suffering or your grief, it's all about Jesus. Just try it, practice it, day in and day out. It will help you really sort out your priorities. If it's all about Jesus, it will help you tell what your majors are and really what the minors are in your life and in your faith. What's important and what's just not. In this article that I love called In Praise of the Boring, Uncool Church. How do you like that as a title? Praise of a Boring, Uncool Church. Brett McCracken writes this, The life of Christian faith should be altogether different. A long obedience, a slow burn, a quiet diligence to pursue Jesus faithfully with others in community, in good times and bad, for better or for worse. Will this form of plotting, old-fashioned Christianity go viral on Instagram or get featured in, in GQ? Probably not, but it will actually grow Christians to maturity and help them run along a steady and fruitful race as it has been for countless saints over 
Paul says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Have you resolved the same thing? If you do, you'll grow. If we do, we'll grow. A thirsty man in the desert isn't too concerned about whether he's drinking from a glass, is he? Or if he's drinking from a bottle, or even if he's drinking from a puddle in the sand. He is concerned about the water. Only the water, the source of life. And if you want to grow spiritually, be concerned only about the water. The living water, the source of life. You know, I doubt Paul had the stereotypical Hollywood action movie in mind here. Next slide. You know, Bruce Willis, bullets flying, just as the credits start to roll, he barely escapes death through the flames, but it's a good picture in many ways of what Paul is trying to get across here. This is dangerous, lacking spiritual growth. Be concerned about this. This is important stuff. Get your priorities straight. There are risks involved if you're not growing, if we're not growing. So what's our mantra? Say it with me. What's our mantra? It's all about Jesus. Say it with me. It's all about Jesus. Let's build with that and grow. And let's hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're sorry for the ways in which we get distracted, the ways in which we get selfish, and the ways in which our growth is stunted. As individuals and as a congregation, so we confess those things to you, and we just want to rip it all out to Jesus. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, nothing else. I pray that as we do, do so, as we've been convicted to do so, I pray that you, Lord, would help us to continue to build rightly on the foundation of Christ. So that we would grow. We want to grow. We want to know you more. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Drew. Great word, challenging word. And as we're sat, I'm just listening there and had a great song planned, but I just thought we need to just go back to basics. So I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to sing a simple chorus. It's called I Love You, Lord. And I lift my voice. I texted it to Ed. Thank you, Ed. And um, we're just going to sing this together. We're going to go back to basics. It's not about a style, it's not about anything else. It's just coming back to Him. So we'll take up our offering as we do this. So let's stand. Let's just sing this out together.
Thank you.